Welcome to the Exponential Podcast. My name is Peyton Jones, and as Exponential's content director, I'll be your guide through the curation of the world's largest multiplication library of resources and training. We currently have four shows running Monday through Thursday, each with a different thrust towards accelerating multiplication. On Monday, join us for front lines tackling current issues facing pastors and planners. On Tuesday, tune in for Biblically Speaking, Theological Foundations for Transformative Race Conversations. On Wednesdays, Ralph Moorhead's Practical Multiplication, A Pastor's Guide to Accelerating Multiplication. And lastly, Candid Conversations is on Thursday, Unpacking Definitions of Diversity. Be sure to catch them all as they will serve as equipping companions on your discipleship journey towards multiplication. Today, we'll be catching up with Ralph Moore and Myron Pierce on Practical Multiplication. Practical Multiplication highlights Exponential's core church multiplication frameworks with a focus on the everyday practical nature of how these concepts can help pastors and church planners make disciples and multiply churches. Now, let's join Ralph Moore and Myron Pierce. Hey, welcome to our webcast of the Pastor's Guide to Accelerated Church Multiplication. I'm here with my buddy, Myron Pierce. And uh, if you don't know Myron, the guy is planting digi churches. He's operating out of Omaha, Nebraska. Started with a church of about 300 pre-COVID, up to oh, at least 10 times that. And in Africa, in two different cities, in London, in England, doing it all over the Midwest, in New Jersey, uh, doing some crazy church multiplication things. And I'm joined with a really good friend of mine today, Norman Nakanishi, who I've known for about 130 years in Hawaii. <laughs> and I, I met Norman when he was about 12 years old, and he was thinking yeah. about the pastor of a, a really big church at that time, about 800 people. And um, uh, we got to talk, and things intervened, and and um, just moved in a different directions. So we're going to really focus on more on Norman today, but I want. Uh, I want Myron to do two things. I want to just kind of greet everybody, uh, say his hellos. But as usual, Myron is the guy who asks the probing questions. And so I'll get this thing rolling, get Norman talking. And then, Myron, it's kind of up to you to keep the ball rolling. So, Myron, you're on. What's happening, everybody? It is good to have all of you here. Hopefully, you have been enjoying our our guests and people who are practicing uh, what, what Exponential preaches in terms of multiplication, disciple-making, and, and accelerating uh, what God is doing in and through uh, the U.S. and around the world. So, Mr. Norman, it is good to have you here today. Um, we are digging your Zoom background, so if you could email that to Ralph and I, that would help us practice some nostalgic, um, yeah, yeah, some nostalgia as we uh, – Envy, at least me, Envy, that you uh, are there and I'm here in Omaha. So it's great to have you, Norman. Oh, great to, great to be on. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great to be with you, Norman. Um, it's cool looking at that beach because I used to surf real close <laughs> to there, uh, kind of old man surf wave. But, um, you know, we, we got started, I think we met at a denominational meeting. You were thinking about joining the denomination I was in and getting ready to pastor take over this church. And I kind of thought that was going to be a dead end for you. And you were quite young. And so I remember asking, why are you going to do that? And, uh, and you gave me an answer, but inside of that answer, uh, you, you begin to do some different things, starting in a warehouse with a handful of people. And I remember being there, it was beastly hot, no air conditioning, <laughs> horrible place. Uh, but the kind of tell us, Tell, tell us your story, you know, how you got from there, that conversation that day to where you are. Tell us a little bit about Sam Webb. And then tell us about um, what tensions you might have felt because you were being offered what was a plum of a church yeah. at that time. Yeah. And then For you sure. decided to go this other route, uh, which is pretty much what we're talking about at Exponential, making disciples, multiplying churches. And then tell us what you've done since then. And then, and then Myron, jump in any old time. All right. Yeah. No, Ralph, the, the year was actually 1989 at a four-square denominational uh, convention on Kauai. And actually, um, interestingly, your friend Wayne Cordero and Anna, I remember we were walking the beach and they were encouraging us to join. And oddly, you were over 
the um, division or the, the region at that time, and you encouraged me to really ponder this and really hear the Lord on it. And so, yes, you actually asked me, and you, when you visited the church I was at, which at the time was Grace Bible Honolulu, you're right. It was a plum of a church pastored by a great man, Sam Webb. Um, you asked, what are you doing here? And I think you called out of me, I think you saw in me a church planter, not someone who would inherit something. So uh, I grew up in that church, my wife, my children. So there was a sense of familial obligation to actually take the work. When you ask the question, and this is why probing questions, maybe that's why Myron is on this podcast, but probing questions can surface the voice of God is what I learned at that moment because something uh, struck a chord in my heart. And for the next 10 months, I could not shake the fact that I felt like the Lord telling me, you know, this is actually not your inheritance. Uh, there's another place and places for you. But that conversation struck a church planting bug inside of me. I couldn't really wrap my mind around it. And so uh, nearly a year later, as it would turn out, um, we planted, we started actually in a recreational center uh, with a handful of people, literally a handful of people, um, in 1994, three weeks, we had nowhere to go. So what we were going to do is actually meet at the park because we said Ralph Moore did that at Kailua Beach. So if we have no place to go and God doesn't provide an next shell for us, we're just going to go to what at that time was Pearl Harbor Park, where it's now named Pearl Harbor Park, right on the side of Pearl Harbor, which is why our, the name of our church is Pearlside Church. We're just pretty much on the rim of Pearl Harbor. It's nothing you know, revelational about that. Then a school opened up for us um, that was way up at the top of Pearl City, and we were there for a year. And uh, the warehouse we had was like our hub, our headquarters we would use for training. Uh, you actually came, a, and came and taught a church planting seminar, a discipleship seminar at that time. It was steaming hot. You're right, there was no AC, and uh, we barely made it out of that. But we used that for for young people, they hung out, they played games, they wrestled, and we had some things that just, you know, it was Operation Central for us. Um, we knew from the start, because we were infected at a time that not many people were doing it, that we were infected with a church planting bug. So we started with the thought in mind that we are, we have, we are a church that has been planted to plant other churches. And um, I think, Ralph, God was using you to totally changed the paradigm in Hawaii. And so we saw a few other churches uh, take a stab at it, but I think getting bigger was better than planting more. I think the mega thing took hold in Hawaii more than the multiplication thing. Uh, we never really grabbed onto that. We felt like if we were to be big, it, the big meant we just plant more more things, more churches. The tension was uh, was between Sam Webb and I was that I felt an obligation to honor, honor him and the heritage of the church of pastors that came before him. And the good thing about Pastor Sam is he blessed it. I said, you know, I said, I won't do this unless you bless it. And he said, Norman, I, I kind of figured this was going to be your direction. We hoped it wouldn't be, but of course, uh, you are blessed. And then he said, and here's the great thing about what he said. He said, and if you want to join Foursquare or be part of another network or family, uh, you have my blessing to do that as well. And uh, of course, he said it kind of, you know, that was tough for him as it would be for any of us. And I thought, wow, that's, that's tremendous. So, and he, he left me with this. He said, Norman, whatever you do, hold people loosely. And that stuck in me because that's what you said, Ralph, and that it's God's church and he will distribute the people according to his assignment and his plan and his calling. So that's helped us deal with people leaving. Uh, the toughest thing was sometimes the people left that you wanted to stay, and the, peop the people who stayed were the ones you wanted to leave. I know, Myron, you've never gone through that in your entire life, but uh, <laughs> it's, been, it's been our story as an honest moment. Um, but it really shaped the thinking that, look, it's God's church. He, it's his church that he's built you're a vessel. You're just stewarding the people that he draws. So develop them well, train them well, but point them in the right direction. So that's been the story. Um, 
so we're we're at 25 years old now so we're an older church um we're about 3500 you know on a, on a weekend uh, and we planted churches obviously uh, not a ton you know but we we intentionally try to do that we're we're one church in five locations now all of the four other locations aside from the main campus could become churches today in fact actually they're treated like that their their congregations we call them um they they know they've already been gotten permission to just be a church it's just a, at this point it's a legal action so we want to do more they want to plant as well but what we've learned in hawaii ralph and myron is that and others that trying to emulate the big is an impossibility but if you think small and you think churches that are various sizes but we go back to the book of acts and you start with a nucleus and you think small micro um the possibilities are endless because here in hawaii I mean, there's a scarcity of land on any island, and so you can have a building, but you'll have no parking. So it forces us to be innovative and improvisational and creative. And now with COVID, oh my goodness, uh, we're having, I think all the churches now are having to really look at how to use technology, the virtual world, and the online conduit. So that's a synopsis uh, uh, of where we are um, and who we are Norman, I have I have a boatload of questions, and I'm not sure um, how 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 much you're going to be able to get to them. Not to mention, there should be some questions that will be coming in from our audience. But my first question is: um, I get this impression from you that that honor is a big deal for you, and so my question is: What role has honor played in? Uh, the value for multiplication. How is that connected? Well, I think honor goes both ways. Um, certainly, we know that character is displayed by humility. So any aspiring leader or planter should have a respect for the leaders above them and who disciple them and who work with them because if they don't have that, they will crash when they have their own work. At the, at the other end, though, there's a reciprocity to that, is that if I honor them and I empower them, I find that they will honor and empower you. I think it's, it's got a reciprocal relationship. Um, so that's, that's the deal. And I, I feel like because um, I think that's in Scripture and that's in me, if I find that a young upcoming leader doesn't have that in them, I won't discount them, but I'll put them on the shelf because who we are precedes what we do. That, that is so good. And another thing I heard you say, Norman, that I'm intrigued by is, you know, you mentioned Ralph and how after that, that conversation, it sent you on this journey of listening to God. And, um, and then you talked about um, you wouldn't leave unless there was a blessing. And then you talked about, um, looking for space, and if God didn't open it, we'd just meet at the beach. I think, um, yeah, I think a lot of times we're looking for the mechanics of church planting without the voice of God as an asset. Um, talk to us about that value that you have for the voice of God and in, 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 in what we miss if we presume uh, God wants to do something that he hasn't told you to do. That's right. Well, that's so good. So God used Ralph to bring an awakening in my spirit. The church that I came out of I, I was a great church, but in its day, I can't say that it was a multiplying church. So God used Ralph to awaken that in me. And then, because Sam Webb was one of my spiritual fathers, I consider Ralph to be that as well, quite obviously. And it's like the Lord spoke to me to leave out of, out of Genesis 12, leave your father's house and go into the land that I will show you. At that time, we were actually moving from town into Pearl City, the community in which I now pastor. And at that time, churches weren't being planted in Pearl City very much. In fact, ones that started had failed. And so 
the Lord said, here's where I want you to plant. Literally, it was the voice of God. Had I not heard the Lord say to leave and to go and to start something else, I would not have done it. I would have inherited Grace Honolulu. Yeah, I would have taken over that church. And for 10 months, Faye and I tried to make it fit because we presumed and assumed that inheriting the mother church was the will of God, but we never had peace. As soon as we grabbed a hold of that, what I call an Abrahamic mandate, just just leave, there was peace. So it is, there, there is that rhema, that word of God, that voice of God thing, and I don't think anybody should do it unless they have that witness somehow. Because I tell you, I, you know, I, I look back over 25, it's going to be 26 years next month. I look back over this journey and I go, if you're not called to this, you better not do it. Because there's, I mean, it's like going through the gates of hell, you know, uh, because he builds his church, but he says, go through the gates of hell. And it will not, with, you know, stand against you. But that means going into hell. <laughs> there's a, there's a well, lot. To- let me just interject here where you went is a boneyard for churches. It's yes, it was. Older, well-established Asian-American families, uh, kind of set in their ways, crowd of people. And, uh, you know, we've tried to help chapels there with mixed success. We've got one church that's gone, but it's not doing what you're doing. It, it had to have been a, 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 the call of God. Yes. Honestly, having had some input into your life, I was, I was a little frightened by where you chose to go. <laughs> and, uh, I'll tell you that all, all years later. I, I I I knew I should keep my mouth shut at the time, but but it it really kind of bothered me where you told me we were starting. <laughs> yeah, the term was graveyard of church planters. So the interesting thing is the Lord. You know, if the Lord speaks, you know, where He guides, He provides, and He blesses, and. You know, it's kind of like the, the uh, kind of like a Hope Chapel on the on the leeward side of the island because we drew people from all over the place, not just from the primary community, but from all over the place. So it was the, it was the thumbprint of God, yeah, and that we took peace on. It wasn't the kind of people that I would have wanted in the first five years because we drew lots of kids, uh, rough cut kids housing kids, gang members. We had the Honolulu Police Department be our ushers a lot within those first five years. We had fights in during worship. We had fights outside after worship. Um, we, we, I had to get really, really uh, read up and trained in, in deliverance, casting demons out of people. Uh, and then we became the go-to trainers. People began to send their people and send their leaders to us. To, How do you work in the deliverance area. That's not something I really relished, but it became a reality because I I wanted a Book of Acts church. I wanted a church not only with uh, proclamation, but demonstration. You know, it's our heritage. It's a Pentecostal church, a charismatic church. And so that's what we got. But uh, it was was scary for those first five years. It really was. The part that was scary to me wasn't when I saw you starting to attract the gang kids and and the real rough cut kids. To me, honestly, that's where I think you should aim when you start a church. Everybody wants young families, mom, dad, two kids, steady right. job. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a formula for maintenance. Uh, you get the kind of people that you drew. I, I just was afraid you weren't going to find them in Pearl City. And that, <laughs> uh, but when they started coming, it was like, oh, my gosh, this thing is alive. I remember being in that hot box of a whatever, a warehouse with basketball hoops you guys met in across from the auto body shop and um and it was like oh man this place is hot as hell but it sure feels like heaven with all the kids you had in that place that was it turned out to be really something pretty spectacular oh yeah no it was wild and, and one of those kids married my oldest daughter and he now uh you know pretty much uh along with another guy runs the whole operation and uh, he was 15 years old his father was in prison uh, for dealing, you know, and got in trouble with the feds. And he was the only child. So pretty much the church was his family. Uh, I, I, I didn't expect him to marry my oldest daughter, however. And so that's turned out really well. You know, actually, when I think back, um, when I look at Myron, I, all I see is this sea of dark colored kids. Um, and, you know, I know 
it's not like the gangs in East LA and everything, but we were frisking for weapons at the door. And uh, that was a five-year period of time. I think the Lord did that to mold my character, honestly, and shape my heart because I wanted to send them away. Yeah, I wanted the Ralph Moore, Wayne Cordero, uh, Larry Osborne story. <laughs> well, what you didn't really realize was that was what we were having on the other side of the island. It had a lot of surf culture attached to it. But, you know, th there were three of our staff guys that, and they were there at the same time. Two of them had grown up fearful of each other. Both guys told me the only guy I was ever afraid of was that guy growing up. And we, we, had, we actually made a in staff meeting one day, you hit somebody, you're fired. You just got to understand that. You hit somebody, you're fired. And so we were bringing these people into our team because uh, we saw leadership in them. And, uh, you know, they're pretty screwed up, but they, they had people following them. Anyway, I'm talking a lot. I, I wanted, again, for you and Myron DeVille to spark off each other. Well, I, no, I, I go, it was like a church full of Myrons back in those first <laughs> five years. Okay. Cause uh, yeah. dude, you look scary. You know, you, 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 you I mean, from where <laughs> I look pretty scary. Okay. <laughs> it must be my tattoos and my piercings. Uh, I do have a question, Norman. Um, you know, this younger generation of millennials and Gen Zers and, and even Xennials, uh, we oftentimes look at your success and how uh, you shot for the stars and you, and you got it in terms of people coming to Christ, being discipled. But talk to us about the scars. <laughs> um, talk to us about the scars. Like what, what yeah, how, how, you, how you manage to still stand the fight? Um, and what advice would you have for us as we're on the journey of multiplication? Yeah, well, I got to tell you, um, I always went back to, it's kind of like marriage, right? My wife and I, we've been married 40 years. We've got three grown children now. If you knew, we always go back, did God say? Because if, it, if God said, then he'll give you the grace for the battles. It's within the battle, I think you have to go back to, wait a minute, this is God's this is what we're doing is based on God speaking to us, his living word. Uh, what Ralph doesn't know about is <clears throat> along the way, when I was seeking the real confirmation to plant and not inherit, I was in his bookstore. I spent a lot of time in Ralph Moore's Hope Chapel's bookstore because he had, if you go to the bookstore, he had filtered out all the junk. So the essence of multiplication and church planting, because this guy's like a reader of readers, leader of leaders. I just buy the stuff off of his shelf. There's nothing that I haven't read or listened to that he's written. So that became part of our DNA. Well, all of that within me helped me weather the storm. Because I will say this, you have to be linked to people who've gone ahead of you and have that. I think a leader should always be discipled. You know, a leader needs a leader. Everyone needs a coach. So I had the word of the Lord, but I also had someone who had gone ahead of me, right? L reading the book, Let Go of the Ring. I mean, the hippie movement in the Vietnam era. I mean, like deja vu, here we are again, you know, in the battle for the sanity of a republic with our constitution being challenged. Well, Ralph's gone through that before. So having a guy that's gone, gone ahead of you and done more than you, I would say is critical. And having these platforms and, and having people you can talk to and glean from and learn from, in the battle, you can't battle alone. You must have a family, brothers, friendships, a network uh, where they come beside you and you can process. I think that carried me and carried us through, for sure. That was, to me, that's major right there. Wow. Yeah, I, I don't know where I would be without um, the Ralph Moores of the world and um, constantly they're like anchors um, of accountability, anchors of inspiration. And, and so that's pretty powerful. Let me ask you this. What's God currently doing in what you're leading um, <laughs> as, as just a, a source of encouragement for all of us? What's he doing? currently i can tell you that when we made 25 last year i mean you know we found that it takes longer to establish a foundation than originally thought and especially if you're going to be a multiplying church 
Um, and of course, there were generational changes since what we call the 90s, late 80s, 90s, early 2000s. I mean, we've seen the te technological shift. We've seen uh, things speed up rapidly. So keeping up with the changes, quite evidently, and I know this, we're, go our, we're going to, and we know this because the Lord said it to us, the first 25 years sets up the next 25 years of planting as many churches and as in as many places as possible. Mm. Mm. With COVID-19 hitting this year, what, what pivots did you have to make and what did you learn as you made them? <laughs> <laughs> we learned to quote the great theologian Clubber Lang from Rocky three. <laughs> if, you seen, if you haven't seen that movie, uh, Myron, you, you're not going to be able to get into heaven. But <laughs> what have we learned? Pain. <laughs> mm, yeah. Oh, this has been hard. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And I, unlike Ralph, who's a generation zier, Ralph's never grown up. Uh, I'm an old soul, so technology this has been hard. I've had to. I mean, he would always tell me, "Look, Norman, you're gonna you're gonna be irrelevant if you don't get your face into social media technology." So, hence, in the battle, the, the need for mentors, right? Mm. Um, Larry Osborne, you've had him. Uh, we've developed a friendship. I'm trying to get Ralph and Larry to actually commiserate. I was at Larry's house trying to make that happen. Actually, at the time, um, what have we learned? Technology. Well, change is inevitable. Fast change is inevitable. Rapid mm. change is inevitable. Um, and you had better change with it. And you're not going to be able to keep up with the speed and the acceleration if you don't really value and embrace technology, the online virtual world. Uh, so we made a huge investment recently. Our board just uh, approved it, uh, a huge investment to develop the online campus, not just post information and not just right. video plays, but actually have an online campus. So uh, we've, we've, so fortunately what's never stopped that we have, a, we have a lot of young people that's never stopped. So how we started has continued. We've mm. got older now because the younger people grew up, but our value, what we learned is stay young. Wow. And especially because young people, that's where they live. So we've been able to bring younger guys on, you know, in their late teens, early 20s, mid 20s, late mm. 20s. And it's second nature to them and to empower them and let them teach us. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the pivot. Mm. I know a lot of us, a lot of us are, are wondering or maybe even asking. So I'll ask the question. Two things that you said that are so powerful. Um, I want to go back to what you said because I, I would love for you to unpack it. Two points. The first point is you said in Hawaii, we've had to learn how to think small. Yeah. Can you unpack the how behind that and then unpack the how behind, like how do we stay young? Because you're a 25 year old church and yet you're still young. How did you do that? And how do we do that? Well, first of all, <clears throat> I've never grown up. I think, let me just share with you what's helped me stay young. Although I'm not a te technological whiz, I'm really working at it. And, you know, I hear Ralph's voice actually in the back of me for that. Okay. And I, so that's the first thing, an intentionality to stay young, a value of that. It, it has to be an embracing of an intentional, deliberate embracing of that value. My background, fortunately, is I love sports and I love music. I was a professional drummer uh, before mm. I got started. So, and I was especially adept at playing, and you like this, Myron, uh, black funk music. So I'm actually black on the inside. Come on now. Come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, and I've got, a, I've got an African-American former NFL San Francisco 49er who's my music director, and we've been oh, buddies. Oh, wow. okay. Helped him come to the Lord, and he's related to Evander Holyfield, by the way. So. Wow. Um, and he's young. He's got three boys that have never grown up, and they're all successful today. So having affinity for athletics and for music has kept me young. But I think the Lord just made me young. I think because the church started with young people, I real, and I also know this, we all know that the harvest is young, that people, if you can get them younger, you can disciple them easier. So that's never left. We're part of a larger spiritual family called the Every Nation Family of Churches, whose main target are, are the campuses. 
worldwide. And so uh, campus ministry for us is a major priority. We've staffed young intentionally. And so, and again, nothing revolutionary, but uh, revolutionary, but again, we can say it, but not do it. So what we've done, we've stacked the deck towards the young and we, we we're empowering the young. Uh, and you, I, just, I just feel like you, you've given away so many nuggets in like 30 seconds. Like the first thing you said is intentionality and affinity. Like you haven't like those affinities that you have attract that younger generation. And then you said, um, you talked about like staffing towards young people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm Ralph. Yeah, that's so but powerful, man. To be honest, sometimes I looked at uh, Ralph and I, in my mind, I would go, what the heaven is he doing? Back in the old days, you read his books, but I, I see, I got to see Ralph as a senior pastor planting numerous churches on the island and drive 20 minutes to meet with him where other people had to just hear about him and listen to, remember this one, cassette tapes? And uh, read him. I got to be with him and ask him the probing questions you're now asking me. Yes. And what, there's something that's caught in that. There's the content, but there's the impartation. And I think what I got from people like Ralph, Ralph, to begin with, was faith. Mm. Because faith, none of this works. It's not methodology. It's not technique. It is hearing from God. Also taking these steps of faith. Well, Ralph had faith in young people. And uh, I think that just transferred over to me. But over 25 years later, we continue to have faith in young people. That's so important because the church gets old. And I think COVID is saying the church has to stay. In fact, the church has to stay young and embrace the virtual world or she will die. Mm. We have a question that came in, Norman. To what extent do you have young people uh, in places of leadership? <laughs> I mean, are, they on, are they on your board? Are they ad hoc committee? Are they what are, to what extent? And what's yeah. the funnel like? Like, how do you? What are the phases of leadership for young people? Yeah. So they start out obviously as volunteers. Then they usually volunteer in the kids ministry, youth ministry, middle school, high school, college. We have a strong college ministry. Uh, the campuses, you know, where you, you reach a lot of these leaders that are being exposed to all kinds of knowledge. Um, so we stack a campus ministry staff strong. They start as campus ministers, we call them, and they actually raise their own support. So they mm. develop faith. The church supports them, but they raise support from business people in the community. Um, and then that's where the church planters come from. Because they know how to evangelize, make friends, disciple individuals, lead small groups. And then from small groups, they start leading, coaching a section of small groups. And pretty soon, um, it's, you have these congregations, right, that emerge out of that. Eventually, they'll come on our staff, right? And they'll be, as we have our congregational leaders, were former teenagers. So now they've grown up. Uh, of course, some have left and planted, whether it's on the mainland or other places of the island, but that's the progression. But they start as a volunteer. They start as this. We, we watch to see how well the disciple people, mm. not just evangelize people, disciple people. Mm. Uh, we look yes. at relations, their ability to make friends and turn friendships into dis- friends, into disciples, then how they lead small groups, how they multiply small groups. That's the progression. And we figure that if they can, if they can multiply small groups, we got a budding pastor here, a budding planter here. Then it's developing leadership skills because leadership and discipleship, though they're related, there are different skill sets. Mm. Once we know we have a leader, my, my mind, especially moving forward, I'd like to see that guy be a congregational leader and a church planter. Mm. So we staff young. Our, you know, I mean, you asked about COVID. We just staffed a 24-year-old boy wonder, and he's an amazing, amazing guy who knows technology. He knows the online world and everything else. Um, newly married, and he's just amazing. And so mm. he has elevating our our virtual world ministry tremendously. 
But again, you look at a guy like that, he's, he just made 24, and there's on his team, there's all these, 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 the millennials are old now. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Look, right. And, and, and I'm, you know, I'm 65. I'm not as dang old as Ralph, but as I'm old <laughs> enough. And yeah. I, I'm looking at that. I'm going. If I if I stop and think too long, I'll get scared. And that's the point: is I don't stop and overthink it. Just step out and do it. Because we have scripture as an example. The heroes of faith were young. David was young. I mean, who was using a slingshot? Really? Right. I'm sure he slew Goliath. I'm sure Amazon Israel blew up. His parents ordered slingshots. That's how you kill right. a giant, right? <laughs> People right. box different. So, That's, I just you, think you, that, yeah. You, you made a point about you being 65 and Ralph being a little bit older than older. you. Um, <laughs> talk you. to us. I'm, I'm sure there are some seasoned leaders, peers that are watching um, and engaging. Talk to us about the role of succession and, uh, and, 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 and does multiplication – speed up or slow down when you're talking about succession when it comes to you as a leader? Yeah, you know, we rebranded last year from Grace Bible Pearlside, Grace Bible Church Pearlside, which is a mouthful to just Pearlside Church. And because we don't know what we don't know, we decided to pay good money um, beyond my tenure to set up the, the leaders beyond my tenure to help us see the future based on a very real knowledge of the past. And so in that, um, these guys are incredible, and they were hard-hitting, blunt. Uh, part way in, I said, look, give us blunt force trauma, and, and we're going to take these days for you to help us to see what we don't see and say what we don't want to hear. It was hard to hear, some of it. Mm. Well, a lot of it. And in that, we talked privately of succession. So Again, Ralph has been a, a good example in this. I find that there's very few really sterling examples of succession in the West, in North America, mm. uh, in Hawaii. And that's always the concern. I think that I've had these conversations, whether it's Ralph and others, but um, I see very few people do it well. So I've read the books. And I asked them, and there is a plan in place. My staff knows the timetable. They know when. I mean, COVID now may have whacked it out a little bit, um, but there is a progression. Uh, it's, mm. it's, it's, I mean, it's there. It's not going to be far away. But because this is a public podcast, I have to be careful in what I yeah, say. Yes, sure. there is, they know it. It's on the board. They have it on paper. It's very clear. So they know what's coming, and they mm -hmm. know when. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find um, uh, one of the things I'm noticing is um, the passing of the baton is very hard for for leaders, yeah. and yet it's the only way to win. Yes, you know, yes. sports sports and, tell us that. And this is where honor comes in, right? We talked yeah. about Myron earlier. Um. If there's an honor going to the senior leader, in this case myself, I have a real trust in my spirit. This can be done well, because if, if there's an honor to the elder, the elder can return honor to them. Mm. And that's how, we, and where I've seen that violated, because I've kind of been a student of this uh, over the last several years, knowing this day, these days were coming. Um, that's what you look for. And where that's not exercised, transitions go badly. Wow. Can so, you repeat that and, and maybe unpack that a little bit more? Well, honor needs to be reciprocal. In other words, in, trans, in, in succession, I think the first thing you look for, I think the Bible teaches this, is there has to be honor towards the elder, wow. the leader yeah. place. And if there's not that, then there's no sustainable character in the mm. succeeding generation. At the same time, if where, where there's honor and respect, then and it's you know it's time then people like myself need to honor the fact that they it's their time to receive honor now just as i received honor in a past day from mm. people like Sam or ralph moore people like that 
And so there's a, a, perpet, a perpetuity of honor. But I, I look at scripture, I look at examples in the present world today or the recent past, where there were, wherever there was dishonor, mm. the passing of the baton, I find there were I find there are problems. Not maybe not all the time because you work it out, but generally speaking, it doesn't go well. At some point, it blows up. At some point, something goes wrong, and it's not sustainable. Mm. Man, that I mean, is so powerful. I mean, look at the Book of Kings. I mean, there's more bad kings than good ones. Right. <clears throat> I think that's a character. Yeah. Well, while that, we're talking about. Um, Succession, passing the baton. I, I want to uh, ask a question. I, I've been. Um, I, I want to be careful how I ask this. Um, well, during the years that I was in Hawaii, um, especially in the eighties, the nineties, the early two thousands, kind of uh, the locus of church multiplication disciple-making and church multiplication, uh, kind of fell on uh, Wayne Cordero and myself. It actually probably started with us under a tree in Kailua Beach Park. Wayne showed up two, three years later. Uh, they built bigger churches than us. Uh, they built almost as many churches, though, as we did. And both of us reached out uh, pretty much into Asia, real strongly into Asia. Some of ours went around the world. But after we've, you know, Wayne's, I guess, semi-retired. I think he's kind of coming back to Hawaii a little bit. But uh, I, I'm definitely out of the picture other than once a year and whatever I do with Exponential. It, it, has someone else uh, picked up the baton? Is there, is there, because usually it, it revolves around a leader, I don't think an institution. It, is there a locus of church multiplication in Hawaii? And if there's not, what can we do about that? You know, Ralph, I'm glad you asked that question, and I know you asked me to address that earlier, but uh, I'm going to just go out and say no. And uh, and that's why we like to bring you in live, you know, and here's the deal. I think the Assemblies of God have tried, and I think Clayton Cole and First Assembly, the great church on Red Hill that's been their uh, heritage here for many decades, I think they're trying Um I just, I just don't see it. And Jim Morocco, great man, has tried, uh, and he does it all over the world. Uh, his model is unique, as you all know, as we all know. I can't, I can't say, I can't say, and this is what concerns me. I think the allure of the mega church still casts in a much too large of a shadow over the islands, and. It, we need an injection, and I'm not saying this because I'm, I'm kind of, you know, kind of, we say in Hawaii, oh, male, male, you know, kind of, uh, <clears throat> kind of worshiping Ralph, but it's almost like, Ralph, you need to come to Hawaii and we need to just put you up on a stage or have a, we need to have an exponential event here to create the awareness that I got from you that others have, you know, I mean, obviously the exponential movement leverages who you are. Um, Ed Stetzer references you. I know Ed. Uh, of course, Ed says, watch out for that Ralph Moore. You know, he's a dangerous person. And he said it positively, right? Um, but it's almost like um, we need an injection and impartation of that faith perspective and awareness again. Because to me, it's waned. Okay. So let me ask another question. Um, and boy, I'm, I'm manipulating and being my full-on self at this point. Uh, you know, the, the church that I left when I came to Hawaii in Hermosa Beach uh, went on and, and planted churches almost church for church that we yes. did locally, they did in the United States, and they went further around the world than we did. It's pretty amazing. Uh, that hasn't happened in the churches that I left behind in Hawaii. And um, I think a lot of it is uh, the influence of the mega. Uh, Hillsong came in uh, just as the whole Hybel steel was waning. Uh, all of a sudden, there's a Hillsong thing, and people are thinking uh, in, in those terms. And to me, it's very distracting from the Great Commission, honestly. But um, so I, I would love to see Exponential have a footprint in Hawaii. 
They're getting ready yeah. to do exponential in Australia. Australia has a smaller population than California. Uh, Hawaii has a very small population, but has had an outsized influence on church multiplication around the world. So my questions are, if Exponential were to do a regional event in Hawaii, do you think the churches in Hawaii would be interested? I know we have the great HIM uh, thing that happens every year. Do you think that we could get traction in Hawaii? And, and then the second one is really loaded. Would you be willing to host such an event on your campus? Yeah, yeah. the answers to those are yes and yes. It's a no-brainer. Right, okay. so long Myron come, we could pull it off, you know. <laughs> Looks like he needs a tan, so we'll put it on the beach. And No, yeah, of course, Ralph. And because I think that COVID, I think, I don't know, from where we are in Hawaii, if anything, COVID, coming out of COVID, being walking through COVID, because we're in a lockdown again here in Hawaii, small is beautiful, organic is beautiful, relational is beautiful, discipleship is a must. Uh, people are, are treasuring seeing each other, smaller settings, um, connecting again. That's been, we've been deprived of that. But it's caught us back to how special relationships are. And that is the crux of church. Yeah. So I think coming out of this smaller uh, is going to take on a heightened value. That's my assessment. I'm no sociologist, but that's my read. So planting a lot of smaller things, and some things will grow bigger, right? Some things, depending on the grace of the leader and the call of the church. Uh, but again, many, many smaller churches plant an incredible number of churches. I mean, it's like the Book of Acts. It's like church history. So uh, the answer is yes. You know, when I first moved there, we couldn't rent a public school. It was illegal. Correct. And the law changed. By the time that I uh, left Hope Chapel, Kanye Bay, and we started Hope Honolulu, we tried to run a school. There was no school, schools available because every school in this state had at least one church. That was at the Zenith. And uh, I know it's fallen off from that time. And so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping and praying we can uh, – I hope that my friend Todd Wilson is listening to this because we would love to see – exponential in hawaii because uh i i think uh and and, and if exponential does it myron and i will show up that's a promise and see, we'll start uh, we'll, there. we'll come and do our dog and pony show we'll, we'll do whatever it takes people will come because of the ralph moore name and then people will become because of how cool myron looks <laughs> how cool myron is you you don't even well, know him yeah Okay, yeah. Well, I can tell already just from the lingo. <laughs> yeah, we got it's some. The results, it's the fruit that counts. That's you guys are funny. <laughs> hey, Norman, I have a question. Uh, it's probably maybe a closing question is, what advice would you have for, um, let me frame it like this first. I've been thinking about this and how we, how we beautify and decorate the call to ministry, right? Or the call to multiplication, especially the younger we are, the more glamorous and uh, the more we fantasize about, you know, you know what I mean? Like there's just this fantasy about going into ministry, especially those guys and girls who are in maybe seminary and, um, and then they get out and the world just rocks their, their ringer. Um, what advice would you, Knowing that that's true, the way we fantasize, at least the younger we are going into mission, knowing that that's true, what advice would you have for us, man, to, in, in this regard? Get close to someone who will disciple you, mentor you, coach you, because They'll put the reality into you and frame you with the perspective when all hell begins to break loose because it's not if, it's when. Every mm -hmm. church plan, it's like if, you know, we've done weddings at the altar. They don't think they're going to go through challenging their marriage. What's the church planter has starry-eyed, you know, uh, dreams, which is good. I mean, I think God tricks us into marriage and he tricks us into church planting. <laughs> but when stuff, be <laughs> when stuff begins to rock, I've had people I could go to, books I could read, authors mm -hmm. I could connect. And 
I'm going to just give a shout out. I've met a lot of church planters um, and church multipliers. The, the leader of our movement, Steve Merle, is one of them, a great man. He's no nonsense. He's like Ralph. You guys have met. Um, but Ralph, to me, I mean, if you will read his stuff, I've got his stuff right here on my desk, and I, I read them and reread them. There's something that goes into you if you're close to someone that when your faith gains and the, and, the, and the pressure mounts, it's amazing how I can just read a few pages yeah. of a book by Ralph or Steve, right, or a Larry Osborne whom you've had. It just reframes me, but it's great. The, the, thing, the next thing to do is to pick up FaceTime, Zoom, uh, and get connected right away. Be relational. My concern is that the screen generation sometimes stops at the screen, um, but the screen is a good way in. I'm finding as an older guy now, the screen takes me only so far, and I need in person. So like I told Ralph, if and when, now we've gone past May, you return, we, we want you in our environment. Why? Because my staff will suck. I hope I can use that word and it's not misconstrued. They will inhale. Mm. <laughs> faith. You inhale faith in person. And mm. maybe that's just my Asian makeup. I can't seem to inhale faith impartation-wise from a screen. Mm. So I'm talking people now they're zoomed out the novelty of zoom uh you know from the first few months is gone now with this learning and parents helping homeschool their kids and grandkids you know it's it's like screen toxicity has warped their brain everyone's craving for in person so i would say that get connected stay connected which means you stay humble and you get you've got to connect to the older generation you just can't connect to your peers yeah i, I I think the jury is out on this generation whether they will do that but i think the church can shape that value and culture yeah so i want to do two things before we close we have about um about eight minutes uh we have a tradition at exponential um when we're at the conference at the end of the uh the conference there's a kind of an altar call and there are church planters and leaders who are at the front um, and there's a call that Dave makes to for people who feel like that they're called to plan or they feel like, you know, they, they just feel like God is nudging them. And it's 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 what's in Dave's book when it talks about permission giving and yeah. impartation and commissioning yeah. is actually what I'm talking about. Um, Norman, would you take some time? Uh, um, visualize um, a lot of us in the audience streaming online. We're at the altar. Um you know, we're, we're at the altar, we're at the altar, the virtual altar, right? Um, <laughs> would you, would you pray and prophesy uh, over many of us who are feeling the call or maybe discouraged or even burnt out, or maybe even this is the beginning of their journey of multiplication. Would you pray and prophesy over us? And then would love for Ralph uh, to land with uh, any, any next steps or, or things that that's on his heart as we as we land our time amen father in the name of jesus i thank you for every person uh, on this podcast who are seeing it live experiencing it live or will see it in a replay mode father we know that they're here and they're tuned in because you want them to be and therefore there's the seed of greatness or the seed of a call to be a a, a leader a planter a multiplier a disciple who makes disciples, who makes disciples, a person not only who maybe will lead a church, but plant churches that plant churches that plant churches. So we look at the Abrahamic mandate, that covenant, and we pray in the name of Jesus that there will be an awakening of the call to go that transcends the call to stay. And in the calling to go, there will be the calling to send, to train, to develop, to deploy, to send, but not only to send for a season, but to send and to keep on sending in subsequent, mm -hmm. that it will be an unstoppable multiplying anointing. Father, we pray for the faith, the germ of faith to be planted, to be awakened, to be watered, to grow, uh, to multiply. 
Father, we pray for dreams to be resurrected. We pray for visions to become clear. I remember being in Ralph's bookstore when your presence wrapped me around. It was a mystical moment. I began to weep. Mm. And I was with another uh, church planter named Darren Laws, and he planted out of that bookstore moment. And I pray, Lord, that that moment will now happen to many who are here, many who are listening, many who are watching. Lord, that you will speak, they will hear, and there will be this witness, this undeniable, irrefutable witness. Plant. Go. Plant. Start. Keep on planting. Keep on going in the name of Jesus. And we bless you for that, Lord. We know that you're working in hearts. We know that you're speaking to minds, we know that you're clarifying vision. And I would just say, I just sense there's many that you, you're on the fence. You've been pondering, you've been thinking, you've been considering. And the time of pondering and considering, I've been there, is over. Mm. And out of this virus, the Lord wants you to create a viral, wow. viral, a viral expression of church. Be open to the improvisational, the innovative, the creative, the new. Learn from the past, says the Lord, but create the future. Put your ear close to my bosom. Hear my heartbeat, and in it you will find strategy moving forward. My ways are not your ways, says the Lord, for as high as the heaven is from the earth and as far as the east is from the west, so are my ways different than your ways. Be open, not only to learn from, to emulate, but to create, says mm. the Lord in Jesus' name. Bless wow. everyone who's listening, everyone who's dialed in, and let faith grow and let it explode as it did for me in my conversation with Ralph. The year was 1993. Mm. And those moments in the bookstore and in the times we sat together. Father, do your thing yeah. through this generation and the next one in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mm. Uh, as I hear uh, Norman talking, as I hear Norman praying, I, I, my, my thoughts go back to a man who mentored me when I was really good. I met him when I was 16 years old, uh, worked with him while I was in college, uh, got to know him a lot better. Uh, while I was in college, he became the pastor of like 16 people. Church grew phenomenally, become one of the, the, the principal churches that people look to across the United States in many, many ways. And then I heard him one day say, God has called me to my town and to my generation. And I turned my back and walked away. I still learned from him. I still was friends with him. But I turn my back on him because it's not big enough. If your vision is your town, your vision is too small. If your vision doesn't include people uh, who maybe are yet unborn, then your vision is too small. Uh, we went to Hawaii. The Lord gave us a vision. But while I was in California, I, I had a I, I, I took responsibility. For an area of Los Angeles called the South Bay that goes from, if you know LA, it goes from the airport south to El Segundo, Redondo Beach, Hermosa Beach, Manhattan Beach, Torrance. It goes east to Carson. Uh, it, it goes up into Inglewood, um, which is African-American neighborhood. It goes into Gardena, which at that time was an Asian-American neighborhood. And if, if, if we couldn't think that big, we just weren't thinking big enough. And I was 25 years old when I started a church, but I was, I was really trying for that 18 to 20-year-olds uh, who were doing drugs at the time. I, those were the people we wanted because we knew that those would be the people that would go out and do something. And so if you're listening to this, and, and we're winding it down right now, but you, you need to be thinking about people who are younger than you. You need to really take to heart what Norman said about hiring young about hiring an online, building an online campus. Because the future, if you do not have an online campus in the future, whatever you do in a building isn't going to count for very much at all. You're going to be so restricted. And so just, you know, get with the program. I'm 74 years old, and 
the biggest frustration that I sit through any week at all is when I get with a bunch of 40-year-olds and I hear them talking about vision. And it's so Mickey Mouse, namby-pamby, wimpy. You know, come on, grow up, guys, and get a hold of it. And, and let's go see what Jesus will do through us. That's awesome. And that's just straight raw from Paul Paul Ralph. Mr. Norman, man, it, it was such a pleasure. So much wisdom from you and Ralph. Um, audience, if you're watching, listening, catching this on the replay, we just want to advise you to share this, please. And don't forget that Exponential, we're launching in the fall our roundtables. Go to multiplication.org slash roundtables, and you need to register. Uh, don't be caught left behind because you didn't jump in on what God's doing uh, in and through this movement called Exponential. Until next time, we'll see you next week. And thanks a lot for tuning in. This fall, Exponential is hosting roundtable events in cities all across America. These half-day gatherings in smaller settings will allow church leaders to prioritize peer-to-peer -peer conversations and receive practical training on how to prepare their church to lead for racial reconciliation. Exponential roundtables will help you continue to pursue church multiplication in these challenging times. Find a roundtable near you this fall by visiting multiplication.org.